You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Can I tell you one of my little embarrassing secrets, Visionary? (laughs) I meet a lot of my new Visionary friends on the internet. And in this case, I met her from a podcast. Let me paint the scene here. Back in the late winter, or maybe it was early spring, I was out on a walk searching for new podcasts to listen to, as you do when you're a podcast junkie like I am. So as I was scrolling through the Apple Podcast app, my eyes were drawn to this podcast that I had never seen before. It was called female startup club. From the first episode I tuned into, I felt like the host, Dune Roisin, was my friend. The way she spoke, the topic she was interested in as a host, and the guests that she curated. I just kept thinking, this girl is amazing. But of course, we live worlds apart. She's in the UK, and I'm here in Canada. Then, one day while I was tuning in to the show, Dune put out a call to action to her listeners, which is me. (laughs) She was doing market research for an upcoming membership that she would launch, and I volunteered some time to get on the phone with her. This is something I teach inside of The Visionary Method, which is our digital mastermind community, and it's the simple concept of always be relationships building. After our initial call between me and Dune, we booked another to properly get to know each other, and then I invited her here on The Visionary Life Podcast. And now I am supporting her in launching the female startup club membership. So yeah, all of that happened just by responding to her unique podcast ad, kind of like a Craigslist post. And I was that girl on the other end saying, pick me. (laughs) So in addition to hosting the female startup club podcast, Dune is also a digital marketing expert, having worked for global brands such as Snapchat, IMG, and The Iconic, which is Australia's largest online retailer. As an entrepreneur, she has launched her own companies, including direct-to-consumer jewelry brand, Kinks. With her latest project, Female Startup Club, she has interviewed over 160 of the world's most exciting and successful female entrepreneurs, and she's on a global mission to motivate, inspire, and advance women in progress. So welcome, Dune, to the Visionary Life Podcast. I know you're all going to love this show. We share her whole journey and really where she is today and the brand she's building with the Female Startup Club. So let's get into today's show. Dune, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to sit down with you today. And actually, I think we met, if you can quote unquote say met, a bit serendipitously because I stumbled upon your podcast, Female Startup Club, and I was listening to a couple episodes and you had a call to action to book a call with you to do a little market research on the show. And I'm like, I love connecting with other visionary (laughs) entrepreneurs. So, you know, I just shot you an email while I was on a walk with my dog and then 
then we caught up a couple times and the conversation was flowing and I just love what you're up to and the brand that you're creating and I knew it would inspire our listeners here on the Visionary Life Show. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Let's dive right in. So I want to zoom the lens back a little bit and kind of talk about that chapter before Female Startup Club, because I know so often we can look at somebody's current project and be like, oh, they must have come out of the womb with that idea. And it's always been (laughs) so easy for them. So I kind of want to take it back a bit. You spent your career working as a digital marketing expert for brands like Snapchat and The Iconic. And I'm curious, how did you find your way into the digital marketing industry? Yeah, so I think even I could start slightly earlier than that for the point of what you were saying about, you know, evolution in terms of what you're doing and that kind of thing. And something that's really interesting about my background is that I grew up in a very different way to what my life looks like today. I grew up in the middle of the bush with a single mom raising her only baby. And so it was a very unique and quiet and peaceful upbringing. We didn't have a lot of money. She was just hustling to do whatever she could to get by as, you know, a woman raising her baby alone. And so when I started getting into this phase of like figuring out what I wanted to do in my career and when I was a young, you know, woman, I guess you would say, I was like, cool, well, I really want to hustle. I really want to like do all the things. I want my life to look different to my mom's. Not that there's anything wrong with the way that she, she, you know, got into her life, but I, I didn't want the same for myself. I wanted to be someone who was working. I wanted to make lots of money. I wanted to change my circumstances for myself, but I also wanted to change it for her. And so I started basically hustling, doing internships and whatever I could to get experience and meet people and, you know, do all the things. And it led me to moving to Sydney on a bit of a whim when someone told me about this new company that was launching in Sydney. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go down to Sydney and I'm going to try and get a job at this new company that's like working in fashion. And it was really new at the time. And so packed my bags, moved to Sydney, arrived at their kind of office and was like, I'm here for an internship kind of thing. And I ended up getting the internship and I didn't really know what I'd be doing, but I think at the time it was working in PR and like kind of doing all the things. And so the company is called The Iconic and now it's this really huge, massive thing. But back then it was, you know, less than a hundred people. We were working from picnic tables using dongles, uh, internet dongles, and we were an internet company. So that was kind of funny. And I basically just put my hand up for everything. I was like, cool. I want to like have any responsibility. I want to do anything I can to actually get a job here because I loved it so much. It was so much fun. There was so much energy. I was surrounded by all these people that I'd never met before. All these kind of smart, you know, really ambitious people who had all this different experience and had come from all over the world to basically bring this startup to life. It was a funded startup. And so, yeah, I got my start working at this company called The Iconic, and now they're the largest and I think probably the most successful online retailer in Australia. But we did a lot of innovative things there, and we got to try a lot and test a lot and bring this thing to life that didn't exist. So that's how it all kind of got started. Mm, I love that. And I can totally resonate with your journey of moving from a smaller city to a bigger city and then kind of having your eyes wide open being like, 
whoa, there are other people with that same inner fire as me or that like the hustle mentality. Like, I don't want to say that that's what I gravitated towards, but it opened my eyes that there were people who dreamed of more. And I think for a lot of people who are feeling stuck right now, it's not necessarily going to be moving that is the answer, but maybe just putting yourself into a room with other dreamers, with other doers, with other visionaries, because that can kind of like crack open so much more for the vision that you have for your life. So it sounds like you kind of had that experience when you moved to Sydney. Yeah. And I think like the other thing is that when I was younger and when I moved from, I I mean, where I grew up was like 60 people kind of thing. Like I lived on a dirt road. It was, it was nothing. And then I moved to Brisbane and then I moved to Sydney. So there was an evolution there, but the difference between then and now is the internet. Like we didn't have a computer when I was growing up. Like, I don't even think we had a TV until I was like, I don't know, whatever age, you know, that just wasn't like the the opportunity. You did have mm-hmm. to move if you wanted to change your circumstances. But now if you want to change your circumstances, you can just go online and you can start a TikTok account or you can start a YouTube channel and you can just do stuff and find other people on the internet who like what you're doing and build your own little world, which mm-hmm. is so cool. It is. It's absolutely amazing what we have at our fingertips right now. And I think sometimes we can take that for granted, but it's just an excellent reminder that if you're unhappy, like you have this device in front of you to go connect with like-minded people. So, so at what point you're living in Sydney now, you've got the job, do you start having entrepreneurial ideas? Uh, at what point did you decide like, maybe I should think about launching my own business? Yeah. So I think in the beginning, I, I wasn't thinking too much about, you know, starting my own business or anything like that. I did start to think, (coughs) Hey, I want to work for myself, but I don't know what that looks like. I was someone who was always hustling on the side. I was always selling my clothes on eBay. I was always doing things here and there. I was someone who would try different things, whether that's signing up for something different or going to different events or whatever. I was putting myself out there a lot, but It wasn't really until I moved to London, my next evolution, um, that I was like, no, I don't want to work in a job working for someone else. I, I, I was doing that kind of vibe. I wasn't loving it. It was too corporate for me. And I met my now husband who was Mm -hmm. building a startup at the time and I joined him to help him build it. And that kind of got me on this track of, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing and become my own boss. And so During that time, I was building the content agency side of his business alongside him and and a team of really cool young people. And we kind of, I guess that kind of gave me the taste of, of doing things for myself, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do yet. Like I still hadn't found the thing that I was going to kind of evolve into, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're working with your husband, you're kind of developing that content agency uh, side of their business. So was there a moment when you started to feel a little stagnant and like you knew you needed to seek out that next thing? And if so, like, how did you find that next chapter? Yeah. So I think like for my personality, I'm someone that if I am feeling a bit stagnant, I really do try and think, okay, well, how do I change course right now? Like what, what do I do next? What's my next move? I'm someone that will change things. I take action. I'm not someone 
that just sits there and complains and keeps going with it. So Mm -hmm. I remember vividly I was sitting on a panel for Tech Week and I was talking about why Australian businesses should move their business or their headquarters to the UK and what the tax benefits will be of this. And I remember thinking like, this is so not my jam. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm up here and I'm talking about this SaaS platform that my mm-hmm. husband's been building and, you know, it's cool, but like, this is not for me and I need to like make a change. So I'd always had an interest in e-commerce. That's what the iconic was. I'd done other internships prior before that, you know, in the e-com world and, that's kind of where I saw a lot of my interest. I'm also someone who had an interest in physical products. I wanted to like bring this brand to life and like do something that was really creatively fun. And it just so happened that I landed on jewelry. And so at the time, and I still am, I'm someone who loves sparkles. I'm over Mm -hmm. the top. I like the maximalist thing and some of the upon jewelry. And I was like, cool, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create my own D2C e-commerce brand. Uh, It was called Kinks at the time. Well, actually, it was called THTY first, but then I changed the name to Kinks. Um, And, yeah, I started building this brand from my bedroom and, you know, selling to all these girls all over the world and doing all this fun stuff um, and learned a lot, basically. Mm -hmm. What were some of the highlights of your time building Kinks? Like you said, you learned a lot, but I'm sure there are some very memorable moments of that chapter. I'm curious, what are some of the things that stand out to you as highlights or wins or successes that you experienced in that time period? So many highlights. It was such a cool experience. Um, The brand was really sparkly and really Mm -hmm. cute. So the highlights was definitely the community of women who were like, I just love your jewelry. I love this brand. I love what you stand for. That was really cool. Um, but the brand took us all over the world. It took us to China. It was my first time going to China, which was just like the most eye-opening experience of my life. I had the absolute best time there and just realized, you know, wow, this place is just like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me to Thailand. Uh, it got us to move to Bali in Indonesia for six months when we moved our production there, which is wow. you know, a whole, whole other story. Um, it took us to Paris Fashion Week, which was super fun last year. Uh, and yeah, it was a really cool experience. And I think there were so many highs, but I also really figured out during that journey that what I had learned from e-commerce and what I wanted to do was not necessary. I I didn't pick the right product. Mm -hmm. So love e-commerce, love building the community, love um, the opportunity there, but I picked the wrong product. Yeah. Interesting. And so did you then decide to put that project on hold or where does the brand exist today? So I didn't, decide to put it on hold at that point but I was starting to think like oh yeah you know when you think about brands like High Smile it's an Australian brand it does teeth whitening you've probably seen it on the internet Mm -hmm. if you think about those kind of brands they're able to leverage kind of and layer marketing on top of themselves because it's a one product store or it's like something that doesn't really change in terms of their offering right so you're able to stack the marketing and kind of consistently grow that you know, education and awareness piece around this one thing or a few mm-hmm. things, whatever. Whereas jewelry is really different. And I think fashion is really different as well. 
especially if it's trends based and current, yeah. that kind of thing, you have to constantly recreate newness. You have to constantly be pushing new collections. And that means like, you're never like scaling one ad because you have to like change all the content. You have to get, you know, so much different, um, like professional imagery taken, all that kind of thing. And so what I started to see happening was like, I wasn't able to build on what I was doing. I'd always have to be like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All that's done. Now I have to start from scratch. And in the beginning when I didn't really know a lot about how to structure the model of the business, I was doing monthly collections. So it was just so much like pedaling around and around and around and you weren't able to layer and stack on top of that. So it was a really key lesson for me in, in that business. But what ended up happening was, I was in this phase where I was wanting to ask women in my network, like, hey, how are you building your e-commerce business? What's happening for you? What does it look like? How much revenue are you making? Like, how much money do you need? What's your acquisition cost? Like, mm -hmm. all these kinds of questions. Um, and even if they weren't in e-commerce, people who were starting tech startups, people who were doing X, Y, and Z. But I was having these really cool, transparent conversations. And I was like, this is so interesting. And it also kind of like further kind of showed me that maybe I'd chosen the wrong product or or I hadn't approached it in a way that worked for me. And so I was asking these people, hey, can I share these conversations on social media kind of thing? And as this kind of is if essentially as Female Startup Club came to life, I then sort of wound down kinks and decided like, I still want to do e-commerce. I still want to be in the e-commerce space, but kinks isn't the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the right thing is yet. So as Female Startup Club evolved more, I just kept leaning into that and kind of decided to stop kinks. It doesn't exist. I mean, the Instagram exists, the website exists, but we don't, we don't operate anymore. Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy, because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. This is the Visionary Life Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. And I love that you allowed yourself to follow your curiosity. Like there would be some people who would just say, all right, well, I've built a good thing. I made it to Paris Fashion Week. I have my own production. I'm launching these collections. Just stick with it, grind it out. Like this is going to be my future. But it sounds like your curiosity started to lead you in another direction. And maybe you didn't know exactly what that was. It was just like, I'm just asking a lot of questions and I want to connect with other females. But you obviously allowed yourself to kind of walk down that path and just explore what's there for you. And I think that that is such an amazing mindset to just approach every single day with that you never know where that next door is going to open for you and that 
potentially curiosity is one of the most important character traits in the world, right? Asking others questions, having that curious mindset of, hey, you've done something I've never done before. Can you teach me or can you show me or can you tell me how you did it? And I think so often, especially as women, we're a bit timid to ask one another because we think there's going to be this wall or that there's this inherent competitive nature, but it's almost like you're breaking this down for us and showing that, no, you can ask other women questions. You can have these very, real, honest conversations. And we all want to support each other, or at least a lot of us do. And you're kind of normalizing that through female startup clubs. So just really love that you are bringing this project to life. So um, let's pivot to female (laughs) startup club for a moment. Um, Were you clear on what the vision was going to be for this new business? Uh, or did you kind of just get started and think like, okay, I'm just going to start recording my conversations or were you more calculated? Like I'm going to write a business plan first and then I'll take action on it. Oh my God. No, (laughs) no, I definitely, I was going with the flow. It was evolving. I didn't have the clear vision. I, a few things were happening at the same time. So I was having these conversations. I was thinking like, this stuff is really cool. And especially when it comes to money, I think that people don't, women especially, there's just such a difference between the way that men share about their businesses, how they're building it and what Mm. their goals and ambitions are to the way that women do. And I wanted to know like this stuff that isn't spoken about. I wanted to know how much it costs to start a business. I want to know what you have to spend to get to X because it's not just organic peddling and doing this and that and this and that. It's like investment and it takes money to do this kind of stuff. So I wanted to know like all these questions. Um, And so that was one thing that was happening on that side. And then another thing that was happening at that same time was I was reading a book by Tim Ferriss called Tools of Titans. And for anyone who hasn't listened, uh, who hasn't listened to the Audible or who hasn't read the book, it's amazing. And I highly recommend reading it. And so the structure of the book is it's basically like a billion interviews and all stuck together in a book. And you can just open at any page and you can pick up some really cool insights into the daily habits and rituals and things of high performers. So athletes, billionaires, um, really successful business people. But what I found when I was reading the book, and it's so cool because a lot of these guys share really deeply and just share very openly. And that's the kind of way that I like to consume content. And that's the kind of thing that I appreciate. Yeah. And what I found was, sadly, women are really underrepresented in the book. So I think I even looked it up and it's like, I think there's like, either 10 women or less than 10% of the book is women. Oh, and I was wow. Like, I want to hear, and, you know, that's, there's just so many, like, that's a whole other conversation. There's so <laughs> many reasons why it is the way that it is. But I was like, I want to find the women who speak like this and who think like this and who are happy to share in the same way and, like, the same way that my girlfriends share with me, like, find more of those and put it out there. So I'd started like posting these videos on social media of my friends. I'd come up with a few kind of questions that I would ask. And someone told me like, you know, watching a 20 minute video on Instagram sucks. And I was like, Mm. you're right. Watching a 20 minute video on Instagram does suck. So I think it, I can't remember, maybe it was that same person was like, maybe you should start a podcast. And I was like, God, no, like that's terrifying. I hate public speaking. Like the videos are hard enough kind of thing. But anyway, I fast forwarded and I got over that and decided to start a podcast and at the time I'd bought like 25 domains all around the world that were like LA startup club, Paris startup club, you know, San Fran startup club. I think I bought it like a year before, a few years before. And I was like, Oh, I have this 
domain called female startup club like that kind of works like maybe i'll just publish it under that name because Mm -hmm. you know that works that kind of makes sense and so i just kind of started evolving started evolving it like that i started you know having these sessions where i'd go and meet like a friend or a friend of a friend and record an episode and publish them online and it was very here and there like i think i did four over the course of like a couple of months or something and We'd just left Bali. We were moving from, I think we were in Australia at the time. We were going to Paris for Fashion Week. Then we were coming to the UK and then we were going to the US. So I was like, I'm essentially going to be doing a bit of a world trip. I can reach a bunch of people in these travels. But like, if you think about doing podcasts in person, it takes a lot of commuting. It takes a lot of, you know, you've got to get people at the right time. Like, it's just very um, difficult to Mm. nail down these meetings in real life. And so... When the pandemic hit, that's really when things started to shift because I was like not really wanting to pursue kinks. I was thinking like, hey, this isn't what I want to do over the next couple of years. This this isn't it. I'm getting closer, but this isn't it. And so I started just being like, well, I'm going to pivot the podcast to doing all online. And I started recording like five to seven times a week, like every single day, sometimes twice a day. And just recording these episodes and putting them out with brilliant women who were happy to share their story and their startup story and what it costs and, you know, how, what strategies they used and insights and tactics and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, And then it kind of started to take shape a couple of months after that. Mm -hmm. And at this point now, you've recorded something like 160 or even more interviews at this point. And so (laughs) I love that like you just dove into this head first and maybe didn't have every tool to be an expert podcaster. You didn't have the background in journalism necessarily, but there is opportunity out there to just dive into these industries these days with a simple microphone and a free hosting platform on the internet and just like starting to create that consistent content, I think is the most important thing. So curious because you didn't have any background in podcasting or in interviewing, and you were saying before we started recording too, that, you know, you're not really a natural public speaker, you would call yourself. (laughs) Did you have any imposter syndrome or anything that was like, who are you to jump into this role of interviewing all of these female founders? Or have you been that confident person that can just dive into new projects like this and just embrace the unknown? Yeah, I think I'm more of the latter. I embrace the unknown, especially if I find myself feeling like, I, like, like you just said, I'm someone who actually struggles with public speaking. And But when I find myself up against a challenge like that, I'm like, oh, I should lean into it because... Mm that that would probably be good for me um so I think that yeah it was all about just being consistent and being like I'm not going to worry about the numbers I'm not going to worry about the fact that I don't know how to do this I'm not going to worry about all that stuff I'm just going to do it Mm -hmm. and that mentality of like let's just do it and see what happens in a year let's just do it and see what the next episode is like let's just put one foot in front of the other and it really is about that consistency. It's about making a commitment and being like, okay, no matter what, I'm going to do this X amount Mm -hmm. of times per week or per month or whatever, and keeping consistent with the goal and just kind of going, going for it and going with it without like 
thinking too much along the way and just seeing Mm. where you get to. And I think another thing that really helped me early on, which is something that I tell people who are going to start this journey of, you know, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a YouTube or something like that, is what helped keep me accountable in the beginning was I found a sponsor from the get-go. So I found someone who was really aligned with my mission, who really understood what I wanted to build, and they were happy and excited about coming along for that journey. And by getting that sponsor, I was like, I am accountable. I'm getting paid to create this now. So I need to show up and keep at it. And that really like helped me. And I think it's a really key piece of advice because had I have not done that, I probably would have thought, oh, I should do this for a year and then maybe try and get a sponsor. But actually, if you flip it and you're like, no, I need to get a sponsor right away so that like I'm going to stick on track. I think that was a really key um, thing that happened early on for me. Mm-hmm. It actually reminds me, um, there's this lady named Gretchen Rubin. I don't know if you've read her books before. And one of the personality types is called the upholder. And they say that if you identify as that personality type, then the best thing that you can do is something like get a sponsor so that you show up for your podcast recordings or do an interview based show so that you're literally booking interviews with other people's times <laughs> because you're accountable when you know somebody else is showing up. So you might bail on yourself, but as an upholder, it sounds like you'll book these interviews and you will show up for them. There's no way you're going to let these people down who have booked time in your calendar. So I think it's really about like knowing ourselves and knowing what would make me quit or, you know, what can I do to overcome that hurdle of wanting to quit? And for you, that was get the sponsor up front because then you literally have to create the season. Yeah. And I think another thing though, as well, is like, for me, the goal wasn't necessarily turn this into a business. It wasn't anything like that. For me, the goal was to learn. So I wanted to connect with these women who I really admired, who I was already a fan of their brand, buying it, consuming their content, whatever. I truly wanted to learn how they were building their business. I was super excited about that. And so for me, it wasn't about like, oh, here's this well thought out business plan and this all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I'm going to do. It was actually just super like selfish in terms of I just wanted to learn and meet these am- amazing women and understand how they were doing something. And it was the best part of my day. It still is the best part of my day. I get yes. to sit down and I get someone's hour of undivided time telling me their strategies and their insights into what makes them successful. It's like mm-hmm. it is just so fulfilling and it makes me so happy every day to get on these calls so it's also about thinking like do you actually want to start a podcast and why like yes people tell you oh you should start a podcast but like thinking about yourself and like what you actually want out of it is really important and if you think you can commit to doing it because the Mm. podcast game I think is a long-term vision you have to really stick with it and you have to pursue even though you're not seeing like crazy numbers in the beginning it's that Mm -hmm. slow burn and I think the statistic is something like most podcasters start and they drop off after seven episodes or something like that so Mm -hmm. you've really got to have the long-term vision and I think you've got to have something more you you need to get something more out of it than just oh I'm going to start a podcast you need to be truly like excited and lighting up to be doing the episodes 
Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I love that you say maybe not a podcast is for everyone, right? It's like figure out what form of content creation lights you up. Maybe you love being in front of the camera and you're better on YouTube, or maybe, you know, you're more introverted and you don't want to talk to people and writing blogs is a great idea for you. And you can still do that interview format. You can still connect with other amazing people and feature them. But, um, I think, you know, one of the very strategic things that you have done is, instead of just relying on constantly building your own audience and like talking about yourself and um, building like that personal brand, you're spotlighting others. Like you're turning the spotlight around on everyone else, which in turn builds your platform. And I think for a lot of people who feel like they don't really necessarily want to be in the spotlight, doing interview-based shows or doing um, just like various pieces of content where you're actually just sitting down with someone else and asking them questions is such a nice like middle ground where you're the knowledge broker. Like you're the person that's taking it all in and then distributing it in a 45-minute podcast. It's not that you necessarily have to be up there preaching your thought leadership, like you just get to repurpose what somebody else is saying. And I think that's so often just like an underutilized form of content creation. Cause everyone like tries to sit down and it's like, what am I going to say today? Well, if you don't have anything to say, but you are curious, take that knowledge broker position and be the one that just creates content around what other people are saying and shining a spotlight on them. So I think that's a, just a good reminder that we don't always have to be front and center in our brands as like the spokesperson necessarily. Yeah, for sure. I love that. The knowledge broker. And I think for me, I was really clear from the very beginning, like, I don't want to be thinking of myself as the expert. I don't want to be positioned as the expert. I want to be positioned as the girl who's trying to learn from these women who are doing it really well. And I'm here standing for every other girl behind me who also wants to understand and who wants to learn kind of thing. Like I'm being the the advocate of, Mm -hmm. hey, how did you do it? I want to know. And they want to know too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Have there been any recent milestones besides recording so many episodes uh, in just a short amount of time? Any other milestones that you want to celebrate that have happened within the last six months to a year of having Female Startup Club? Yeah. um, So really recently we did a full rebrand, which is just so, so much fun. I originally just whipped up female startup clubs branding myself. That's all I could afford. It wasn't, you know, like I said, there was no kind of plan for female startup club. It was an evolution. So I wasn't really going to invest any money into the branding, but I always really wanted to bring the actual vision to life of what Mm -hmm. I had in my head. And so we just launched that this week and it's just been such a positive response. It's really, um, a reflection of who I am as a person, what I love as a person. I'm very like over the top. I'm maximalist. I'm bold. And I wanted all that to come out in a really fun brand that was like not stuffy, some educational, boring hoo-ha. Like I wanted it to be fun and for other people to feel joy and positivity when they see it. And, you know, I like to say that Female Startup Club is your hype girl in business. We are modern we are out there we're like there to lift you up and empower you in business and i wanted the brand to reflect that coming up i continue my conversation we'll be right back stay with us have you been feeling a bit lost 
confused on your next steps, curious about what it would be like to start an online business and work for yourself. Well, the visionary method is a seven step framework and accountability system that will help you to start making money and stop procrastinating the life you're here to live. We've helped hundreds of people just like you to make their first 50,000 in their online business by packaging up the skill sets that they already have inside of them. So visit KelseyRidal.com and click on the work with me tab. If you want to learn more, we would love to get on a call with you and see if the visionary method is the right fit for you. Again, KelseyRidal.com. Just click the work with me tab and learn more about the visionary method. This is the visionary life podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. I want to pause there first because I'm obsessed with this concept of becoming more of who we are in our businesses. And I love that you recognize about yourself that you're sparkly, you're fun, you say you're maximalist, and you were able to translate that into the brand that you are building. So rather than feeling like, oh, that's just one part of me and I should just put that aside and, you know, be the professional founder that wears the suit and like whatever we, whatever <laughs> yeah. stories we have told ourselves in the past of what it means to start a business or be a CEO or be a founder. And you've kind of just pushed all that aside and said, no, like I'm going to figure out who I am and how I can best infuse that into my branding and like literally bring myself to life in this new project. And I think that's something that I just want to give every female or every entrepreneur permission to do that. It's like, what colors do you love? What are those fonts that you're really attracted to? What kind of clothing do you wear? And like, how can I put this like cheetah print in, you know, my podcast cover art if I love it so much and just paying attention and being on that journey of self-discovery can so often lead to business growth, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think like, especially for female startup club where I just wanted it to be something that was something that I could do long-term, right? Like yeah. this I can do for five years, this I can do for 10 years, this I can do forever. Like I mm. just, you know, wanted to bring something to life that was truly, I could look back and be like, yeah, I just did what I wanted to do. Mm. I created what I wanted in the world kind of thing, not based on all this heavy research in terms of, oh, well, these are the colors that are working at the moment, or these, this is this. It's a digital brand it can evolve. It can change next year. Like I don't have to think about the packaging of for female startup club, right? Like we can change our brand every year mm-hmm. if we want to, like, it's fine. It's digital. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's very different to if you're creating a brand that has physical products and you do have to have, you know, packaging and, and point of sale systems and things that people need to recognize. Mm-hmm. So in growing this community and in finally reaching more and more people, what have you found to be some of the best success strategies in growing your reach and in growing your audience? Mm -hmm. So one thing that's really key, and we touched on this before, is consistency. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, just the way that there are algorithms on social media platforms, there are algorithms on the podcast apps like Apple and that kind of thing. So Consistency is really key. The next two things that I would say are really important for my style of show, which is interview style, is Mm -hmm. the distribution that's built in from the guests that you have. So if you are having guests that are notable or they are, you know, they're written about in the media, they have their own following, they have their own communities, 
you're inherently going to find new listeners that way and expand your audience and your community through those women, in my case, women. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key thing, which funnily enough, I didn't do on purpose, but now that I interview my listeners and I understand how they find me, the key thing, and I recommend this to anyone starting a podcast, is your name. So I had Female Startup Club as a URL, so I just picked that as a name. There wasn't any kind of strategy behind it. But mm-hmm. when I talk to women, what they tell me is that nine times out of 10, they've either been on a Google search, searching something like female startups or female entrepreneurship, or they're on the podcast app searching the same thing. And I am a recommended show. So, so many people come from the fact that my name is a searchable keyword that people are looking at. And I think it's really important because a lot of the times people are like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to start a show and maybe I'm going to call it my name. And that's great, like especially if you're wanting to build your personal profile and that kind of thing. But I think you miss an opportunity to be discoverable. Mm -hmm. And another thing about, and, you know, people can find you through those kind of keywords, but they can also find you through the guests on the show. So if you have a notable guest and they're searching that guest, then you'll appear in like the top Google results, for example. But the name is something that I would really encourage people to truly consider how they can use that as a leverage to find new people. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. And it's such a like back to basics approach. It's like, instead of coming up with this elaborate brand name for your business, can you just call it what it is, right? Because people, they will instantly be able to understand what your show talks about. Whereas if it's called something like totally out there, or if you use your first and last name, or if you just like come up with three random words that have nothing to do with what you talk about, they won't have that instant connection. So I think it's like such a simple yet underutilized strategy to find more listeners and to just foster that quick connection with the listeners to be like, Hey, do you like, are you a woman? Do you like startups? Like you want to be part of a club? And if they feel that connection to the branding behind the words, I think it's an easy yes or no, that's not for me. So I love that you share that strategy. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it perhaps. And we think it has to be something that like, you know, nobody has ever thought of before. Yeah. And abstract. And I think on the flip side, another thing that also is uh, really important to make a note of is it's also easier for brands or sponsors or guests to be like, oh, I get the concept. I get what this is about. I can align myself with that versus I've never heard of that person. I'm not interested. And a really great example of someone who is doing this at the moment or who did this, sorry, in his career, his name's, you know what, I forget his last name, but his first name's Sam. He's a billionaire. Mm -hmm. He's 29. He was finding that when he was approaching banks to do these certain things um, in the industry, I can't remember all the all the details, but basically he was approaching them and they were being like, who's this 29-year-old called Sam? Like, sorry, yes. not interested. So he yeah. came up with this specific name for his company that was really kind of elevated and sophisticated. And then, of course, people were like, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, love it. And you're mm-hmm. able to align yourself with that. And so I think that's another really important thing when you're considering what to name your podcast and whether you name it after yourself or whether you find something that people can align themselves with. 
Yeah. And then kind of on another note too, if you're still trying to figure out like who you are and you don't necessarily want to be front and center of your own brand, it is great to be able to kind of dream up who that avatar is or like, you know, what do you want that alter ego of you to be that will live on even if you don't want to be the spotlight of the show or of the YouTube channel or of the blog. So yeah, it gives us permission to keep it simple, but imagine that there is, you know, someone besides our first and last name that can be the face of the show. Mm -hmm, Um, So at this point, you've obviously chatted with tons and tons of women. So I'm curious, how are you finding your guests of the show? Because it's a lot of work to be out there, like searching for amazing people on Instagram, TikTok. Um, How do you find the majority of the guests that you feature? Yeah. I mean, just like you said, I just do a lot of legwork. I'm on Instagram. I'm reading publications like Fast Company, like Forbes, like entrepreneur.com. I am keeping note of what people are doing online and adding them to a spreadsheet. Like it's, it's literally as simple as I find someone, I put them in a spreadsheet and I have hundreds and hundreds of names. It's like essentially a catalog of female founded brands. And I just go through and it's a numbers game. You email everyone. (laughs) and see like who you get. Right. And then you follow up. And what ends up happening is that the more interviews you do and the more people that you've had on the show that they can see, Oh, that person's amazing. I love that person. Yes. I'd love to be associated with the show. You're able to start like using that leverage from your earlier guests. Mm -hmm. But also what happens is, and it makes your life a lot easier is when I connect with PR companies who are managing, um, you know, these brands or working with these entrepreneurs. Yep. Once you connect with those key relationships, then they're starting to feed you inbound leads and they're starting to say, Hey, I'm working with this person now. Mm-hmm. Why don't you um, see if they're interesting for your show? And so that like, start, it starts to tip and it becomes in the beginning, there's a lot more legwork and then it mm-hmm. starts to tip and you basically get a lot of inbounds from people themselves people who um, have PR agencies and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all kinds of different things. Yeah. And like you said, like it wasn't a magic formula. It's not like you had the biggest network in the world when you started this podcast. You literally just started reading blogs and reaching out to the founders. It's not some crazy elaborate scheme of like, oh, I'm going to spotlight all my friends. It's literally like, I'm curious to learn this person's story. And there's always a way to connect with them. And especially living in the day and age that we do, I think we often forget like, you can go send that person a video message or voice note on Instagram and connect with the founder in a matter of moments. Or, you know, maybe you're connecting with their social media person who then puts you through to the founder. So, you know, we have so much access by having the internet and having our phones at our fingertips. So you just have to, you know, take the time, send that email. And yeah, some people might not respond. And I know that can be, you know, kind of a a hit at, at, like in the beginning when you're like, oh no, like someone didn't respond and it it feels like a personal attack on you. But, um, I think it, like you said, it's a numbers game. So just keep reaching out and you will get some yeses. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're emailing a hundred people a day or even 10 people a day, eventually Mm -hmm. people are going to start saying yes. And people are going to start taking notice of what you're doing. And A good example of this is when I first got started, I reached out to Ariana Huffington's team and they came back to me and they were like, hey, now's not the right time. I reached out a year later. They came back to me and were like, hey, yeah, like now we can chat. And so Mm -hmm. she's not doing any media at the moment, but it's again, the long-term vision. Like you have to think maybe it's a no right now, but it doesn't mean it's a no forever. And you can always check back 
And I think people like to see the evolution of what you're doing as well, right? They like to keep an eye on it and be like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I'm too busy at the moment, but maybe in the future. Um, and so, yeah, it's giving yourself that, you know, space to not feel rejected because it's not personally about you. It's just about the state mm-hmm. of, you know, them or the business or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then even having that vision of having Ariana Huffington on your show, you almost think, okay, how can I deconstruct that goal and like start tipping over some dominoes to get to that bigger domino? So it's like, okay, so if she may not come on my show now when I only have, say you only had 10 episodes, but if I start getting uh, guests that are like kind of equally as famous as her, and then I can show her, I've had these three people on the show and then she'll say yes. But in order to get those other three people on the show, you have to find other guests. So it's always like starting working backwards. What's that first domino that you can tip over? Start talking to your friends who own businesses. From there, they're going to refer you to friends who own bigger businesses and bigger. And it's like you are working your way forward to being able to give a platform to people who are more established. Totally. And something that I forgot to mention before, and you've just touched on it, is Another strategy for the, you know, it's a lot of cold outreach and that kind of thing. But everyone I speak to, I always ask, do you know someone else? Do you know an amazing female entrepreneur that you can refer onto the show who's building an e-commerce business? And, you know, everyone knows someone. So there's also that like connection and connect the dots that way. And slowly Mm -hmm. it just starts building out. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so I want to shift into a few of your success tips and business tips as a busy entrepreneur. So first off, are there any routines or rituals that you have incorporated into your day that help you to perform at a high level? Because you do a lot in a week, recording three interviews a week or five interviews a week is a lot. So what are those routines or rituals that keep you going? Yeah. So I have to say I'm very phasey. So I definitely changed my routine (laughs) a lot, but I do need a routine. Um, At the moment, it's really simple. It's definitely more of a a calming approach. I would say I am focused on my mental health. So I'm meditating as soon as I wake up. I'm meditating as soon as I go to bed. I'm working out every day. Um, I'm also doing things like writing my goals down every day, like big picture and, and taking that kind of manifesting visualization approach, which I haven't ever done before. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Last year, I was really into freezing cold showers. I think it, I did four months of daily ice showers and that was so crazy and so much fun. Uh, I think I'm going to start doing it again, but it's really hectic. Uh, but it's the best way to boost your mood when you're getting out of bed. It makes you feel like you can conquer the world. It strengthens your willpower. Um, and so, yeah, I highly recommend that as a ritual to try. <laughs> I love that. I mean, if you want to move to Canada, then we have six months a year where it's actually just so cold outside that the moment I let the dog out, I get that like freezing cold shower effect. (laughs) It's like, oh, I don't even need to do this in the shower. I'll just like sip my coffee outside and I'm like, okay, I'm freezing. I'm awake. We're good. Oh my God, totally. I love that. So another thing that you are passionate about is the power of 1% improvements. And just uh, my favorite book is called The Slight Edge. I don't know if you've read it, but it really talks about those incremental changes over time that compound into 
massive leaps, right? Uh, so I'm curious, what are some of the 1% or those small changes that you're looking to make to the female startup club right now that you know are going to make it better in the future? Yeah, so I am all about the 1% compound effect. We talk about it on the show a lot. A lot of the women on the show also talk about it um, and how that's been kind of their approach in building their business because it really is, no matter what you're doing, whether it's a business or whether it's a goal that you're working towards or whether it's, you know, whatever, if you're just taking small, consistent daily steps, you can lead to look back, you know, in a year or 10 years time and be like, wow, I did all of that, but I really was just taking those small steps small, tiny steps. So at the moment, I would say that the small, tiny steps we're taking with Female Startup Club is working towards launching our paid network uh, and mentorship community. And so we're hoping to launch that in the next two months. And that is very much just every day chipping away at building what that looks like, getting our, you know, (laughs) spreadsheets together and like working our way through spreadsheets and just kind of like checking off that checklist so that when it comes time to launch in the next, you know, one to two months, it is good to go. Mm, That is so exciting. And I cannot wait to see what this membership is all about. And we will definitely plug the link for the website so people can get on your newsletter and stay up to date for that. Um, And final question, is there a recent investment you've made in your business or in yourself that was really well worth the money that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, Yes, I absolutely uh, want to share about our rebrand again. I mentioned it before, but, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have any money to put into branding and branding is expensive, especially if you have a specific designer in mind or a specific studio that you want to work with. And I had this uh, freelance designer who I really, really wanted to work with. And I um, was so excited and branding takes a while as well. It takes a couple of months. And so... Yeah, I was just so proud of myself to be able to invest in that and get it really to what I specifically wanted the vision to be. And, you know, the the response has been amazing uh, and really, re- really well received. Mm-hmm. And I think a really good lesson from that that the listeners can draw is that you know, start it with DIY stuff, like do the best you can with the money you have. And then as you start to prove to yourself that this is working, I've showed up consistently, maybe you get your first sponsor or you've hit a hundred episodes and you know, this is a long-term thing, then you can invest in the better branding, but it doesn't have to be perfect right off the bat. It never is right. Like if you scroll back in the archives of anybody's blog or anybody's YouTube channel, it always starts with like, really basic quality, right? Even the podcast, I used to record on like this tiny little Tascam mic that cost me $90 off of Amazon. (laughs) And so, you know, you don't have to go straight to the top. It's like, start where you're at. And then as things start to pick up, as you prove to yourself that I'm in this for the long haul and, you know, other people are here with me, then you can make those incremental upgrades. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely take that approach with a lot of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now people <laughs> are probably really wanting to learn more about Female Startup Club, probably listen to the show if they haven't already. So why don't you share all of the places where we can connect with you as an entrepreneur and also with the Female Startup Club? Yeah. So Female Startup Club is just Female Startup Club, all one word in all the places. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. You can find us on Instagram or TikTok at Female Startup Club. You 
youtube.com forward slash waitlist, which you'll be the first to know when we open our doors to founding members. And then you can find me in all the places as Dune Roisin, which is D-O-O-N-E-R-O-I-S-I-N. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can slide into my DMs. I love to chat and I love to learn what people are up to. So fun. Yeah, we'll link all of that in the show notes. And thank you for coming on with us today and sharing your background to where you were before Female Startup Club and then really into the journey of building this project and where it's headed. So we really appreciate your time and wish you all of the best. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. There you have it. My episode with Dune Roisin of the Female Startup Club. Isn't she awesome? So there are a few things I want to double tap on from this episode in particular. So first, I love the idea that Dune reinforces of the fact that you can start simple and rebrand later. So even if you don't have the money to make your dream website or to create your dream Instagram graphics, whatever it is, just start with something. And then when you prove to yourself that this is taking off, that it's working, that you're consistent, then invest in the rebrand and hopefully you have a little bit more cash by then. The second thing I want to double tap on is becoming more of who you are inside of your brand rather than trying to hide who you really are. So I love that Dune talks about when she wanted to rebrand the Female Startup Club podcast, she thought about what she loves and she's sparkly and she says she's a maximalist and glittery and bold. And that is exactly the brand that she has brought to life. And so I love this idea of really uncovering who you are as an entrepreneur and then infusing that into your business and especially into your branding. And finally, the third thing I want to double tap on is the fact that consistency is key. So try to find something that motivates you and that you have on a weekly basis, or in Dune's case, she produces three weekly episodes. And for her, consistency has been such an integral part of her growing her audience inside of the Female Startup Club. So it's really, really inspiring to see the level of output that she has and the fact that she has stayed so consistent for the better part of a year or a year and a half. So what an awesome episode. I cannot wait to keep following Dune and for all of the links to where you can find her and the Female Startup Club, just hit the links in the show notes and you can go connect with her. So I will see you guys in the next episode and have an amazing day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.